Welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets with Tim McMaster, Zach Rosenblatt, and Marissa Dunn. Can't wait! On Halloween weekend, the Jets lose to the Patriots for the 13th straight time. MetLife Stadium becoming a house of horrors on Sunday for the Jets and especially for Zach Wilson. Hey, everyone. Welcome into the Can't Wait Podcast. Tim McMaster here along with Zach Rosenblatt, our athletic Jets reporter and our producer, Marissa Morris. Uh, It was supposed to be revenge week for the Jets. Instead, it was just more of the same in this rivalry where it just seems the Patriots are the hammer and the Jets are the nail. We're going to get to Zach Wilson. A lot of that. We're going to talk about the receivers, Elijah Warren, Garrett Wilson. Uh, The trade deadline is tomorrow. We'll talk about that as well. So let's get right into it. Um, We got to start here, Zach. You were, there was a poll. There was a lot. We talked about it on the podcast (laughs) last week about you. I said I wouldn't get shamed into doing it. (laughs) You did. You, you did. And then the poll went up and the fans spoke and I think it was 85% said they wanted you to be there early for walk-ins, which just isn't right. I like, I feel like those weren't our listeners. Yeah. Our I listeners mean, it was, would not have done. It was just Connor thing, just but. bringing his trolls along with him. And, uh, yes, he's one exactly. of them. Um, <laughs> so I will give you this. You went, you did it, but you gave it some style. There it is. I, I decided if, if I was going to do this ridiculous thing, I would just embrace the ridiculousness. I found this, old like chewy onesie um chewbacca onesie that my brother got me like years ago that i've never touched <laughs> i threw it on it was pretty comfortable honestly because it was pretty cold in the morning <laughs> uh did not keep it on all game although i guess that would have been the boldest move but yeah i figured i would do that i was i was getting there um you know i just started an instagram account so i'm pretty cool like that now i uh was getting a lot of the <laughs> people are. walking in had to make sure oh, thank you for acknowledging how cool tim i appreciate it um <laughs> uh and then yeah i made sure I was there for Chris Traveler walking in, which I was. He held the door for someone else, which is very kind of him. I noticed um, that too. I was we're gonna like, get it. We're actually Traveler. gonna have to oh, talk. Wait, we're look. actually gonna have to talk about Traveler today. We don't need to do it right now, but we're gonna have yes. to at some point. Yeah. He's in the rundown. But yes, he held I noticed that <laughs> he comes through, he opens the door, he walks through, then he notices somebody's coming behind him and <laughs> a gentleman holds the gentleman. door for the next guy. I didn't see any other players doing that. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, so, do you have to do that every week now? Are you going to come up with? I don't know. We'll we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, I feel like it's maybe you can. It's, just, it's maybe more Connor interesting on like covering. It's more the interesting on the road. It's more interesting on the road because guys, I feel like wear more like bold stuff on the road kind of thing. People do seem to like that stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I I, I was hoping guys would be wearing Halloween costumes because I know some some guys do that right before Halloween, but there was none. Like Ty Johnson, shout out to Marissa. Was uh mm-hmm. he came in. He had a Michael Myers mask. He put it on for like 10 feet just so the Jets video social media team could get him on video. And then he took it off and went in the locker room. So it's not like he was wearing it all. So it was kind of fake. And I saw the the fake uh, situation going on there. Not to, you know, peel back the curtain too much <laughs> on Jets social media team. Um, but yeah, I was hoping to see some some Halloween costumes and there were none. So that was disappointing. Unfortunately for the Jets, those pregame walk-ins were the highlight of the day uh, <laughs> when it comes to the team. It, it was downhill from there. Well, I shouldn't say that. They led early on in this game. But yeah. but let's get into the game, and we have to start. There's nowhere else to start. We have to start with Zach Wilson, 20 of 41, uh, 355 yards, first ever 300-yard <laughs> game for Zach, not one that he will uh, remember with uh, warm fuzzies, I guess. Two touchdowns, <laughs> but most importantly, three interceptions and... Just bad interceptions. And 
I know this was the quote from him after the game when asked if he put the loss on his shoulders. He said, no, but I need to play better. I think everybody else that watched this game, for the most part, put this loss on Zach Wilson's shoulders. It was it was a game that was very winnable um, from start to finish. And they just, in my mind, were kind of failed by the quarterback position. I wanted to start by going through the interceptions, and then we'll get into yeah. all of this. We got plenty to get into with Zach. Um, the first one was right before the half. Um kind of off the back foot, just sails it over the running back. Easy interception. And that's a common theme here, easy interception. Uh, The second one was late in the third quarter in which he was actually trying to throw that one away. But there, you know, when you're throwing it away, throw it away. It doesn't really make it better, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. He he tried to throw it away, but it stayed inbounds. Devin McCourty (laughs) able to scoop that one up. And then fourth quarter, again, the, the last one, I mean, if they had made an immediate tackle, it almost felt like a punt, right? He just kind of threw it up for grabs. Unfortunately, the Patriots got a good return on it as well, and it was downhill from there. But they were – it wasn't just interception. It wasn't like he tried to thread a needle and it it didn't get there and it was picked. It was off balance, trying to throw it away. It was just ugly interceptions, and that's always been the case since we've started following Zach Wilson here with the Jets. Yeah, I think that's the hard part to grasp. Like, it wasn't anything the Patriots' defense did. Even Zach said that. Um, although I, I thought it, you know, it was interesting. He, he kind of like, you know, I, don't, I can't think of the, the phrase, but the, the first interception, he kind of like passed it off like that one, like you know, that was just a football play or whatever. But I, I thought that was a bad decision too. It just wasn't as bad as the other two. Um, like he, right. it was uh, Ty Johnson actually. He just off his back foot threw it over his head, and uh, the Patriots were able to easily pick it off. Those other two interceptions, like. It had nothing to do with what the Patriots did. He, he said on the on the first one that he was trying to throw away, like he let Matthew Judon get a little too close to him or something like that. But, um, you know, if, if you want to be like a glass half full guy, you can be like, okay, so these are correctable mistakes because it's not anything that the defense is doing if he just throws the ball out. But at the same time, he's been making these mistakes over and over and over again. So at, at a certain point, you have to wonder if he's capable of not doing that because, you know, last week I, I alluded to this. He had a quote, which I thought was fascinating that he like was admitting this about how he does not like throwing it away um every single time he he wants to make sometimes it gets so fr- it gets frustrating to him that he has to throw it away every time uh when he wants to make a play and so he forces it and you know it was it was something to to listen to and you know keep in the back of your head because he's gotten i think lucky in recent weeks you know everybody was pointing out the n- no turnovers but he's got he's gotten close to a bunch like he's had a lot of plays like this yeah. where uh instead of throwing it away he'll just like throw it up in the air and then the other defense just happen to not come down with it so it's not like this is like new and it was only this week. And then, and then he, he does that again. And like, I really do think you have to put the loss on him and maybe it's not fair to put it on one person, but like a, the, the rest of the team played pretty well. You know, the running game didn't really get going, but the Patriots were purposely trying to make Zach Wilson beat them. Garrett Wilson had a great game. Um, they had a 10 to three lead. And I know everybody's, I've seen people try to say JFM's number one and Zach Wilson's number two. And JFM's roughing the passer penalty was bad. You know what? You can debate whether it deserved to be called that, but the reality is they're going to call that. They're going to call that penalty more often than not in the modern NFL. So you have to really think about that because when he hit the quarterback, Mac Jones, the, the, he had already let go of the ball. His his quarterback hit was not going to impact the play. And I get your instinct is to knock the quarterback down at all costs, but um, I mean, it cost him because that's a pick six. It, it turns seventeen to three into ten to three, and then they get a field goal, and then the Patriots score after halftime. Anyway. They're, they're only in position to get that roughing the passer penalty because Zach Wilson threw his first interception right before it. Like, I think people are forgetting that part. They, it was at the end of the second quarter, less than a minute left. 
and Zach Wilson makes this terrible decision where you know they the, the Jets would have moved their way up the field, probably at least gotten a field goal, you would think. Uh, and so you go up, maybe you go into the half up thirteen to three. Instead, you go into the half up ten to six, and then they take score a touchdown in the second half. It felt like the interception and JFM penalty combo like just deflated everything. The defense started struggling a little more, but they were still very much in the game in that second half when Zach Wilson just makes those inexcusable throws. And you know, it, it's we've reached the point. You know, for for weeks we kept saying, you know, they they're kind of winning in spite of him. Imagine how good they could be if he actually played up to his potential because you have this really talented roster and you have a quarterback not playing that well. So how good could they be if the most important position on the field is playing well? But now you're saying that these are kind of the mistakes he's been making and this was the first team to capitalize them on them. And then you look at the schedule coming up and you have the Bills at home. You have the Patriots on the road after the bye. The Patriots clearly like know what they're doing against the Jets. Um, and then you have some, you know, the, the rest of the schedule looks harder than it did before the season. You have the Bills again on the road. Uh, you have the Vikings on the road, who are pretty good. You have the Seahawks on the road. They look really good. And you have the Dolphins at the end of the season on the road. So that's like five or six games that are, are going to be really hard for Zach Wilson to handle. And so all of a sudden, this, this five and three, you know, you're, you're ecstatic going into the bye week with five wins because none of us would have expected that. But at the same time, like how long are they going to be able to hold on to that if Zach Wilson is playing like this? And, you know, we're going to get into what this means for, you know, how they approach the quarterback position going forward and all that stuff. But it was a very alarming game, um, and it, and we've reached the point now where until Zach Wilson proves he can do better, like why should we believe that he can? You know, he he had that fourth quarter in the Steelers, which everybody in the Jets keeps pointing to, coaching wise, him, you know, as, as an example of what he can be at his best. But if you remove that quarter, the nineteen other quarters, I had this in my story. I don't have the story pulled up right now, but the the numbers. I have the numbers right here. Yeah, if yeah. If you here want you to go. say them, fourth quarter versus the Steelers, ten of twelve, eighty three point three percent, hundred twenty eight yards, touchdown, no interceptions a 138.9 rating. His other 19 quarters, 52.3%, 773 total yards, two touchdowns, five interceptions, and a 59.5 rating. Yeah, so he's been great in one quarter and pretty bad below average in every other quarter. Um, and, you know, it's it's very... The Jets have... You know, I, I, Connor has actually started this discussion actually just on Twitter, like about between him and Sam Darnold, who's better or whatever. Um, for all Sam Darnold's faults, and he had a lot of them. He had, I think, he had a worse supporting cast than Zach does right now. Maybe last year Zach had a bad supporting cast, but right now Zach, the offensive line is an issue, and that should be said. Like he was getting pressured a lot, which is why he was, and he's not good under pressure. But they don't have Elijah Vera Tucker now for the rest of the season. Who knows when George Fant's going to come back? Um, they're playing Cedric Ogbuie, uh at right tackle, and he probably is not a starting offensive lineman in the NFL. Dwayne Brown, By the way, according up, to Ian Eagle, it's Ogbuie. Ogboyhe. Oh, wow. Okay. I think I think I, I trust Ian Eagle. I think that's what um, I said on the broadcast. Dw- anyway. Dwayne Brown didn't have his best game. Um, and you don't have Brees Hall anymore, who was a, like a great security blanket for him. So like the the reinforcements aren't really coming um, offensive line wise. So you have to deal with what you're your what you have in front of you. And, you know, another thing the Jets have kept. Uh... <laughs> Thank you, Taylor. Um, uh <laughs> Like another thing, the Jets coaches have kept saying is, you know, the the Broncos make every quarterback look bad. Packers have a great pass defense. The Patriots have a but at a certain point, it doesn't matter who what the defense is. This guy was picked second overall. He's going to be making his nineteenth start coming up. Like he has to be able to overcome that at a certain point, and he hasn't been able to. And it's not going to get easier. Like like the Bills don't have a weakness on defense. Um, they're going to get the Patriots again, like I said, and those are the next two games. So I just. 
I don't really know how you how you fix this. I mean, the reality is they just need Zach to not make those mistakes. And if he stops making those mistakes, maybe they can get by, you know, low scoring games and stuff like that. But you shouldn't be trying to win in spite of your quarterback. And if he keeps playing like this, then you have to start wondering like what they do at that position. So the big excuses, right? That if there's if you're going to use excuses to try to defend Zach. One is the offensive line, yeah, um, and then he's running around for his life. You can argue he's not getting rid of the ball fast enough, too. But uh, and then the other one is the caliber of defenses they faced, which you just brought up. They have, I mean, yeah, the Patriots have a good defense, right? But it's not. I mean, the Bills this guy, ran, this this guy week killed by the Bears, much too. better defense. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they played good defenses, but like it's the yeah. NFL, right? They're all yeah. good defenses. You can um, say that every week, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the really good defense is coming up this week. So we're certainly going to see how that goes. Um, what are your thoughts on like, you know, there's an argument to be made that, you know, his escapability has allowed them to yeah. avoid sacks, but then he doesn't get rid of the ball quick either. Like yeah, if it was three steps back on load, that's a way to avoid that too, right? You can avoid pressure by running for your life, or you can avoid pressure by getting rid of the ball quickly. Um, are the receivers not open at that point, or is he not seeing things in time? I mean, it's probably a combination of all those. I think it was the yeah. second interception. They kind of both of them are so bad it's hard to remember, but I think it was the second one where none of the receivers were open. And yeah, I think it was the second. Like it was, I, I thought none of them were open. Um, and so he pretty clearly should have thrown it out. He kept waiting, kept waiting, kept waiting. Then he just launched it up. I, I think it was Conklin that was technically the one he was targeting. Like, it, if, if the guys aren't open, throw it away. You live to fight another play is the thing. And it's pretty clear right. that the running game is not going to be as effective without Brees Hall, uh, which is, you know, it, it's unfortunate. Like, Michael Carter, there were some plays where he was getting some good runs, but he just doesn't have that second-level burst to where, you know, if Brees Hall was there, maybe a 10-yard run is a 25-yard run. Uh, and I don't think James Robinson has that either. So you're going to have to – it's going to be short, small chunks of, in the running game. Maybe you start using Zach Wilson more as a runner. I don't know. Uh, but they're not going to be really able to fall back on the running game as much as they did during that four-game winning streak. So they need Zach to make plays. And, you know, I, I, I know a lot of people have said maybe they just actually just play Elijah Moore more. Um, and I think there's some merit to that, but I don't think he would have saved them in this game yesterday. He only played 10 snaps. Uh, I think he only ran routes on seven of those snaps. And he was targeted once, and it was batted uh, – Zach Wilson passed. That was batted down. We can get into Elijah at some point if you want. But uh, the point being, like, the weapons are there. Like Garrett Wilson had a great game; it didn't ultimately matter. Really, when you're when you're a quarterback, you could have Zach even had some really good throws. By the way, like he had the the fifty like three yard pass he had to Garrett Wilson was very good, perfectly placed down yep. the field in front of a few defenders. The Tyler Conklin touchdown throw was one of the best throws he's made as a pro. Just a laser in there. It was it was in tight coverage. Clearly has a connection with Garrett and Tyler Conklin. Not as much with like Elijah and and uh, some of the other guys they have on offense. I mean Denzel Mims had a great catch and run too. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really know what the solution is here. The, the simple, the simple thing is if he just has to throw the ball away more and um, live to fight another play because he's gonna get pressured all season. That unless they go out and make like a blockbuster trade for a starting right tackle, which I don't think they're going to. I think they're more likely to add like a serviceable guard or something like that at the trade deadline. Uh, but like reinforcements aren't coming, like I said. So it, Zach, they need to figure out. If, really even more than the possibility of making the playoffs, which is crazy that like we went from like saying they're not going to make the playoffs to now if they don't make it, I think fans are going to be mad. Um, 
they needed these next however many games I've left nine games are going to be all about figuring out if Zach Wilson can improve and if he can be their guy going forward because so far he has not shown that he can be all right one more thing on Zach they moved Mike White up from third string to second string um and the the idea from Salah from what he said was like if the opportunity presents itself we want to know what he can do um which I assume mean like if Zach Wilson gets hurt and has to be spelled, we get Mike White in there instead of Joe Flacco to see what he can do. Um, let's say they keep going, you know, win a game, lose a game, win a game, lose a game. We get to the final couple of weeks of the season, few weeks of the season. Wilson's still not playing any better, but somehow they're in the playoff race. Like, is there a world where they try something different to get to the playoffs and see if something else works? Because then the question after that is like, you could then still say Zach's our guy, right? You could play the, um, I don't know, Debo Debo Sweeney did that with uh, Clemson there, you know, replacing Mm. the quarterback, getting the win. You go back to the starter eventually, but like it also creates just this big stir, right? So I don't don't know. Is is there a world where that happens this season where they could actually bench Zach Wilson when he's not injured? I mean... If, if he keeps losing them games like he did, like you have to at least consider it. Because, right. I mean, if you look at, like I, me- I keep mentioning this this next two-game stretch, if they lose both these two games, that's a three-game losing streak. And if he's making the mistakes, that le- you know, the Bills one, I think you could just call a loss. If it's close, you feel better about that because they're just so, so talented. I, I don't think anybody before the season, even when they were in their winning streak, I don't think anybody was expecting them to beat the Bills. But if they go out in that Patriots game, the same thing happens. And then you start going beyond that. And, you know, games like against the Bears and these teams that they're supposed to be beating, like the, I think they play the Lions at home. Like if, if they if they go against those teams and Zach Wilson is still making backbreaking turnovers and mistakes that are costing them, you have to you have to think about how the rest of the locker room is thinking about Because, look, yesterday, everybody else pretty much did their part. The special teams had a bad day, too, I should say. But everybody has done their part. This this team knows that they're talented enough to win games. So if they go out there, they do their jobs, and the quarterback makes a, a boneheaded turnover three times a game, two times a game, one time a game, and it costs them, then what do you think people are saying in the locker room? They're saying the same things we're saying. Uh, they might you know put on a brave face at the podium and stuff like that. I think Elijah Moore made it pretty clear in my eyes that Zach Wilson is one of the main reasons why he's not happy. Um, so... If that that'll start spreading around the locker room and you know everybody will think about what you know Mike White did last year whether whether that's the, that the reality of Mike White is another conversation but um and and the way they by the way they handle the way they handle this backup QB thing is still we're going to talk to Robert Sala at 3:15 today we're recording this in the morning um so they called up Chris Traveler from the practice squad like elevated him from the practice squad and then they de- then on game day, he and Joe Flacco were inactive, whereas Joe Flacco is the number two quarterback all year, obviously. All of a sudden, Mike White's the number two quarterback. We asked that after the game. Salah doesn't really give a real explanation for why. And and then he, he says that Mike White is the number two going forward and asked why. He's like, well, if he gets the opportunity, we, we want to see what he can do kind of thing, which is a weird thing to me because Joe Flacco is pretty locked in as their number two and everybody in that locker room seems to like him. It makes you wonder if they're trading Flacco yeah. or something. I, I don't really know. Um, but putting Mike White there, he, he's a fan favorite. He's always going to be. He's Mike F and White. Like people, he has his jersey in the Hall of Fame. Like, um, so if Zach keeps struggling, you're going to hear calls for him again. Like that, it happened last year uh, when he played well, and then Salah wouldn't say that he was going to give the job back to Wilson, and it caused a whole uproar and all that stuff. 
then then Mike White made an easy decision when he had through like four interceptions or whatever. But it's it's gonna be in the back of everybody's head, fans, his teammates, all of that stuff. And I'm gonna be very curious to see how they handle it because this team like is invest. The, the best case scenario is Zach Wilson plays better because he has the talent. Like the talent is obviously there. He has the arm talent. He just makes a lot of really really confusing and bad decisions. Um, and so it's gonna be very interesting to see how they handle this. Like, is their goal to make the playoffs? Or is their goal to evaluate Zach Wilson? How do you balance the two? And uh, it's gonna be pretty much the storyline. You know, let's move past the Bills game from the bye week onward. It's gonna be everything that matters. All right, you mentioned Elijah Moore. I want to get more into that, but first we got to take a quick break. All right, let's get into the receivers and Elijah Moore. He had a few uh, post game gems i guess quotes <laughs> zach things that we can talk yeah. about that's that's for sure um we knew we were eventually going to hear from elijah moore and we had actually talked about it last week that after the game made yeah. the most sense uh hoping that it would be a jets win in which elijah moore caught a couple passes maybe if a touchdown it didn't go that way it was another loss and he had like we said earlier on just 10 plays, one target. So some of these quotes uh, before the or after the game, uh, the one you mentioned, she said, uh, on chemistry with Wilson, I don't know. I couldn't even tell you. I don't get the ball. I don't know, which doesn't speak much to the chemistry with Wilson. I, I think, and then it, I this think he one, answered it without answering it kind of thing, yeah. Right, exactly. And then there was this one. Uh, when he was asked about being basically, you know, in a, in a week where the team had won being in the news and kind of messing everything up. That's the part I wish I could have kept internalized. I hate being a distraction. If I could take that part out and just keep everything else that was going on, I wouldn't change a thing. I still stand on it. Not being about me. It's just the way this business is. You guys can say what you want. You can write what you want. At the end of the day, everyone is going to do the best they can for each individual. I've got a family to feed too. Now, here's a statement for all athletes out there. <laughs> never say, never say, I've got a family to feed. Just just remove it's a, it's a from the Sprewell, It's a Latrell Sprewell thing where he like is getting paid like a million and he's like, I need to feed my family or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and I get like Elijah yeah. Moore's on a rookie contract, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But have you seen the rookie contracts? Like, He's and I get what fine. he's saying. Yeah. Yes, he's what he's his saying point is, yeah, is he's, he's, he's hurting. His I need value, to yeah. make. Yeah, I need to. I need to prove myself because there's another contract coming. I get that. It's a business. These guys need that. You know, it's a short. You're not a pro athlete for very long. You got to maximize the money. I get that. But it's your second year. Like it's the beginning of your second season. It's not like I'm heading towards free agency or I even I'm heading towards. I need them to pick up my next year. Like there's time, like slow down and don't use the quote. I've got a family to feed. Um, all right. I'm just going to pass it over to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, um, I find it, he, he made it pretty clear that he doesn't like regret everything that happened. He just regrets that. Like his trade request got out, I think is my interpretation of it. Um, which I get to a degree. Uh, but also he like, what did you think was going to happen when you when you do something like that? It's going to get out. That's just the way the NFL works. I I can't imagine many trade quests don't get out these days, especially with like rap sheet and Schefter basically like, you know, being on a group message with the higher ups at every on every team. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I don't I kind I wrote about this this morning. I think it's going to go up this afternoon. At the at a certain point, I you know I feel like it's best for both parties if they just move on. Like if they were. So Robert Sala says that he didn't 
his snaps weren't limited yesterday because they were punishing him. Believe that or not, whatever you want. Uh, but the reality is he only played 10 snaps, was targeted once. Clearly not a priority in this offense anymore. But I also think he's clearly talented enough that you can get at least what the Giants got for Kadarius Tony, And I would think you could get more because he's a more reliable player uh, than Kadarius in terms of health. And, you know, even off, I would say Kadarius Tony is much worse off the field in terms of immaturity. Honestly, anybody that's followed the Giants would agree with that. Um, so I think you could get some value for him. There's some teams that really need wide receivers. Packers, Giants, Titans, some of these teams that are still trying to make the playoffs. I don't think they're going to trade him, but I don't know. I, I don't see the point of, you know, just keeping him on the sideline every week. Like, like in the way that they did, like, if, like I had said, they should have benched him through the bye week. And I, and I do stand by that. But if you're not going to do that, then I'm not sure what you accomplish by playing him 10 snaps and, and not really using him. Um, so I don't know. It, it's, he's pretty He seems pretty clear that he's not going to change his mind about how he feels. He kept saying stuff like not everybody knows everything that's going on behind the scenes. Um, yeah, that was weird stuff too. Like he said that over that and over again. Which, Wilson, which stuff, like, stuff like stuff like that kind of annoys me sometimes when guys do that because they're in front of a microphone. If you really wanted to give the full story, you're allowed to do that. All we can do is judge based on the information that we all have in front of us. So um, anyway, so I think it's pretty clear that he's not happy with Zach Wilson. Um, I think you know he said he and Michael Floor are fine. I I can't imagine that that's entirely accurate. I know they hugged it out at practice or whatever, but. Um, I mean, Elijah Moore is making it pretty clear that he doesn't understand why he's not playing more while he's not getting the ball. Uh, he still is saying that. And I don't see this going away unless they all of a sudden make him a priority. But also, like, if you do that after a guy just keeps complaining, like, how does that look to the rest of the locker room? Like, I, I don't see much of a win-win. Uh, I, I would say if he starts, like, going off, then, you know, that that would, you know, heal all wounds or whatever. But I don't think he and Zach Wilson have a particularly good chemistry to, with each other is my impression. And Zach Wilson is going to be the quarterback, I would think, for the foreseeable future, even with all the stuff we were talking about. So I don't know. See what you can get for him is what I would do. I, I don't think they will. But it's just a weird, unfortunate situation where a guy you drafted in the second round last year, I think it's already best for both parties if they kind of part ways, especially since once Corey Davis comes back, and I think Denzel Mims is showing he deserves to be out there. So you have Mims, you have Davis, you have Garrett Wilson, you have Braxton Berrios. That's still a solid four receiver group. Um, and you could you could find another Elijah Moore in the draft next year. I think there's good receivers that come out every year. I would move on, live to fight another day, get some assets. Maybe you want, if you want to flip those assets for an offensive lineman, something like that, that makes sense. But yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't really see a way out of the situation that doesn't end with him on another team, whether that's now or in the off season. So has that has your opinion changed basically between you know us talking last week and then hearing from him after the game? Did that kind of shift? Where you think this is headed? Not necess- not where I think it's headed necessarily. I, I I will say I I understand more where he's coming from, even if I don't think he handled it the right way. I I, I get what he's saying where, you know, he I think he, he showed last year that he's good enough to play a lot and get targets and you know, I don't I don't, I haven't really understood how they're using him, making him only go on like go routes and stuff like that instead of using him in the slot more and stuff like that. Like I I don't think they've used him the right way necessarily and uh, he hasn't gotten the ball at all, so you get why he would be upset about that. The way it got out is what was the problem was, and how he got had to get sent home from practice, and how he you know avoided talking publicly until after the game, made his teammates kind of talk for him and all that stuff. Like it, they were in a winning streak, and he's complaining like it was all a bad look. But I, I, I to a degree, I think he made some fair points. Um, 
other than the feeding the family and all that that stuff. But um, I I don't know. I it's just such a weird situation. And if if he's still here the next time we we meet up for a podcast later this week, I'm very curious to see how it plays out because he's clearly not a priority in this offense. And so every week you're gonna have to wonder. Okay, he played 30 snaps, got three targets. How is he going to react to that? Like every week you have to think about that. You don't want to have to think about that with a guy. So um, it's it's a weird spot to be in. The part that doesn't make sense about all this is just you think of like the last two summers basically. And, and I know it was hurt at the beginning of the year last year, but before the injury, so many reports that he was, you know, the most talented guy at training camp. And some of that same stuff this year where like this guy is – he just makes plays. He's a star. And it does seem like maybe now he's just in the wrong spot. Like you always anticipated him in this offense doing all kinds of little things where they could get him involved. And then you look at the game yesterday and they have the two little flip passes, you know, quick, quick snaps to Zach Wilson flips to Garrett Wilson cutting across the line. That's the type of stuff I always anticipated them doing for Elijah Moore. It's almost like they had Elijah Moore and they were like, okay, this is a great toy that we can do so much with on offense. But then because they didn't trade for a receiver, they ended up drafting Garrett Wilson, who does the same stuff. Maybe like a better version of it. Yeah. A better version of Elijah. Right. And it just kind of pushed them back, even though by all accounts, this guy's ultra talented. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, I, and I think that's something that people forget about. Uh, you know, when teams like load up at one position, I think, I think what they, what they did was they they saw a very talented player and they took the best player on their board, the best receiver on their board, and they decided they would figure it out later. But ultimately, I think Garrett Wilson is probably a better version of Elijah Moore in some ways. He's very good after the catch. Um, I think they like him in the slot, which is why you haven't seen Elijah there. So that ultimately winds up you know pushing Elijah down the pecking order and and you know not re- they're not really able to use utilize his skill set in the same way as they would have if they drafted like more of a Corey Davis type who is more of an outside receiver or something like that um so I, I think that's something that went, on paper it looked like they had a great group of receivers but how much did they fit together maybe that wasn't something that was discussed enough um and you're seeing that play out and um it's gonna be interesting to see how how this how this goes now because you know who knows how long Corey Davis is going to be out I, I will say he looked like he was limping a decent amount when he was coming into the stadium. I don't want to read too much into that, but he isn't, he has been injury prone and he's a guy that if they want to get cap space, he's going to be a guy that would be on the chopping block. You would think, and not to get too far ahead of myself, but all of a sudden, like you would think receiver almost looks like a need next year. If, unless you can figure it out with Elijah more, if you can figure it out with Elijah, then you have Elijah and Garrett, and then you get a third one that you like, but um, they're, they're in a weird spot now where receiver looked like a real strength of this team. And now, I'm not so sure it necessarily is at the very at this moment based on how they use them. And receiver can't be a strength if you don't have the quarterback yes. that's getting them the ball very too, true. which is a it's a problem. <laughs> they can't uh, they can't throw it to themselves. Um, all right, Garrett Wilson was very good. Um, I do want to keep things moving here. Denzel Mims, the big play as well. There were these big passing plays where Zach looked great, obviously, uh, to those two guys, but. You mentioned Mims kind of earning his, his way here. He's obviously shown that he can block. Yeah. That was a great catch and run where he took the contact and bounced off and kept going. I mean, de- has he developed to a point where, because the problem last year was always like, he doesn't fit this offense. Yeah. He was drafted for the last offense and he doesn't fit. You know, he fit what Andrew, what Gase wanted to do. He doesn't fit what LaFleur wants to do. Um is there a fit now? Does he fit better now? Has he kind of developed those skills or is he still like 
a square player in a round hole, so to speak. I, don't, I think he's an ideal like backup for Corey Davis because he's able to plug. Because Corey Davis's best attribute was honestly his run blocking, which you don't hear a lot with a receiver, but that's what it was. But the difference is that Denzel Mims is also crazy athletic and fast. So I think mm-hmm. the potential, is, like the ceiling, is higher than Corey Davis if Mims is at his best. Um, so I'm. It's going to be interesting to see, like, do do the. Do they still have a place for him when Corey Davis is there? Because he's not someone that's like going to play in the slot. And the biggest thing with him was that he needed to learn other positions besides outside receiver. Um, he wasn't like the base offense to start the game, like over Elijah and even over like Braxton Berrios and Jeff Smith. It was him and Garrett Wilson were out there. I think it was because of the run blocking. But as, yeah, so as, as long as this team is going to be more of a run heavy team, I think there's a place for him. Uh, I'm just curious to see how it looks when everybody's healthy at receiver because. I don't like, are you going to deactivate Jeff Smith? I mean, I would, but it seems like they like him on special teams. Um, and are you going to carry that many receivers on game day? Like that becomes the conversation, but I, I've been very intrigued by Denzel. Uh, I personally would keep playing him, see what you have, develop him a little bit. And then if he looks like a good enough guy to be a starter next year, then you have a guy still on his rookie contract uh, for at least another year or two or another year. Um, and you see what you have there or you trade him this off season or whatever, but I don't know. He's clearly more explosive than Corey Davis. You're not going to see Corey Davis make the play that he did on that catch and run. So I, I would keep get, keep seeing what you have in him and keep playing him. And uh, maybe Corey Davis isn't ready to go next week, or he has to do limited snaps, and that's the way you get Mims in the game. But I'm I'm I've been very impressed with him, especially for a guy that wasn't playing at all. You know, he very he's, I don't know how he was doing in practice and stuff like that, but I, he seems to be he seemed to be ready to go these last couple of weeks. He played like forty something snaps yesterday. And his catch came in the fourth quarter, so he didn't wear down either. So promising for sure. It's uh, it's just incredible to think like if this guy could become a starting receiver for this franchise. <laughs> I always assumed he would eventually yeah. be a productive receiver in this league somewhere else where he just fit better. Yeah. If it happened with the Jets, I mean, what a, what a turn <laughs> for this franchise. Um, but it also makes that terrible draft look a little better. So there'd be that, right? That's true, yeah. All right, trade deadline. It's yeah. coming quick. We've kind of teased some stuff. Um, could they get some offensive line help? The The interesting thing is that the biggest rumor out there right now is actually for Bradley Chubb, yeah. which would, I guess, strengthen what is already probably the best part of this team, right, which is the, the defensive line. I mean, this defense was was good against the Patriots on Sunday. Six sacks. Uh, Mac Jones was okay, 24-35, 194. Touchdown and interception. Uh, the Jets actually outgained the Patriots by 100 yards. A lot of that was garbage time um, at the end and, and those big chunk plays. Uh, but the defense is good. The pass rush is very good. The front is good. So why would the Jets go out and add that when there are clearly weaknesses on this roster? You know, there's there's two ways to look at it. I think the first one is that this kind of falls in line with Joe Douglas' philosophy, where he came up, where he comes from, you know, in Philadelphia – Eagles are always adding pass rushers. Even they're they're loaded at pass rusher, and they just traded for uh, Robert Quinn. Um, they they've the Eagles always operate, and the Ravens to a degree too, where he came up. They always focus on the trenches first: the pass rush, defensive lineman, offensive lineman. And so, in theory, you make you see why they would want to do that. You you have a if you have their, their whole thing is they don't like the blitz. So if you have four guys up front that can just get the pass rush going without having to blitz, and it helps everything on the back end. And you know we've talked about it a lot this year. Because the defensive line's been good. So, you know, in theory, you plug in Bradley Chubb. Maybe you're able to slide over JFM to defensive tackle. And say you have a defensive line of Carl Lawson, Quinn Williams, JFM, and uh, 
and Bradley Chubb. And I can't imagine there are many better defensive lines than that. And you then you also have like Sheldon Rankins and Bryce Huff and guys like that coming off the bench. And that's just like the ideal elite defensive line. And that defense could be dominant with those guys. So I get all of that. Um, on the flip side of that, you would have to give up probably a first-round pick, it sounds like it. The Jets, as we just talked about, the schedule coming up is very hard. A pass rusher is not going to fix Zach Wilson, and it's not going to fix the offensive line. So if you're not winning more games with Bradley Chubb, then you're, you know, the, your draft position becomes better, and then that first-round pick becomes more valuable. And, and on top of that, you have to sign Bradley Chubb to a new contract in order to do this trade because he's on the last year of his deal. And top pass rushers make anywhere from like 20 to 30 million a year, depending on their quality. And he's one of the better pass rushers. So I, I don't think it makes much sense for where the jets are right now, especially because after this week, I think it's pretty clear. They're not like real contenders. Um, maybe they can sneak into the playoffs. I don't see them going on a run. Like, I don't think you want to be giving away first round picks for a young rebuilding team. Um, especially one that doesn't have a lot of cap space coming up. Um, I, I think the better move would be hope that he doesn't get traded to somewhere else, hits free agency, and maybe you try and get him there, uh, if anything. But I would I would focus more on, you know, again, offensive linemen don't grow on trees. I got that. I would rather they spend mid-round picks or, you know, trade Bryce Hall straight up for a guard or, you know, a serviceable tackle of some sort or uh, maybe another safety because I think the safeties could use some depth. I, I would not go out of my way to trade a major asset for a defensive end right now. Personally, I, I know it's exciting because he's a big name. Uh, and he would make, again, he would make this defensive line truly elite. It already looks really good. Quinn and Williams, as we've talked about over and over again, has just been absolutely dominant. He was good again. Carl Lawson had a sack. He started to play like what you expected. JFM, if you remove some of his bad penalties this year, he's been really good. I think Rankins has been under the radar. I know there's a Bryce Huff hive in the fan base. Um, he, he impacted the interception. Uh, he hit Mac Jones as he threw it. Yeah. yeah, He seems to make plays like that every game. So they have a really good rotation going on the defensive line. I just think out of all the positions, while I get you want as many good defensive linemen as you want, I would say corner and defensive line they don't need to be trading for right now. If you're going to trade for an edge rusher, not someone of Bryce Chubb's – not Bryce Chubb. See, everybody's named Bryce on the Jets. So I just, <laughs> Bradley Chubb. Um, he didn't say Nick Chubb. He's, yeah, you that's know, true. You could go a lot um, of wrong ways there. So – I don't know. I, I personally wouldn't do it. I get the thought process, but I don't think the Jets are in a spot. Like the other team that Peter King mentioned was the Dolphins. I think they make a little more sense because they've spent a lot of money already to compete right now, and they probably have a bigger need at pass rusher. I, I just don't see the Jets as like – they haven't quite reached a level where they should be buying guys like that where you have to give up so much to get them. Yeah, the thought of a first-round pick, just that Joe Douglas just values the draft so yeah. much that I can't imagine – the first round pick like when it comes down to it him being able to part ways with that if it was like a third sure but like it just to me i agree with you um do you think if uh foot to the fire right now do they make some sort of move before the deadline tomorrow i'll say yes i i think i, j I just have it in my head that i think they're gonna go and get you know last year they traded for uh what's the guy's name uh the, the guy who used to be a who is a doctor now uh, Tardif. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, like a guy like of that caliber that can yeah. either be a starter or just like a good depth spot on the, on the offensive line at guard or attack. Like, again, I think tackles, there are a lot of teams that need tackles. I've seen a lot of Jets fans mention Laramie Tunsil, uh, Andre, D Andre Dillard. That's his name, right? Andre. Yeah. Andre Dillard. Dillard. Yeah. Uh, Dillard can only play yeah, left that, that was about to be my next point. Yeah. Cause yeah. Laramie Tunsil is also so. a left tackle. You're not going to move Dwayne Brown to right tackle at this stage of his career. So I don't, I don't see those guys making a lot of sense. 
though I get like why people think of Dillard because of the Joe Douglas ties. Um, someone of Dillard's caliber, I think would make sense, but Dillard in particular, especially because I think that Eagles could probably get a decent return for him too. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I think they, they trade for an offensive lineman or two, and I could see them trading somebody like Bryce Hall or Jacob Martin for a late round pick. I, I don't know how much that helps you necessarily, but, um, like, I, I think they're going to make a trade, I think for a guard, but I, uh, I don't see any significant trades. Cause I don't think, as I said, I don't think they're in a place where they should be doing significant ones. I think if they make a big deal, uh, if they do like kind of we, shock us all, we'd have to do an emergency sort of pod time deal. Yeah. Well, well, we, and we can move up the second podcast <laughs> of the week because I don't know how much anybody wants to preview that Bills game. No. So I mean, if they trade, if they trade, if they trade for Bradley Chubb, we certainly have to talk about it. That's for sure. Yes. Yep. Um, all right, one more thing to get to because I don't think we gave it enough coverage was the Strebler situation. Mm. Uh, we we talked a little bit about it. We talked about him getting to the the, the stadium and holding the door for somebody all important. But it was <laughs> odd what Salah said after the game about Strebler and the yeah. whole you know taking him off the practice field, but then deactivating him. He said we had some things going on this weekend. I'm not going to get into detail in terms of having the opportunity to get him up. A couple of things happened and we deactivated him. It sounds like, I mean, from that quote, it sounds like the idea was for him to be active and then something caused them to change something their happened. mind, it, right? Like It was very vague and strange, the explanation, because they said some things happened was the thing he said, which can be interpreted in a million different ways. Um, like we were going to make a trade and it fell through. Yeah, like, I think that, so that's a conspiracy things. theory I've heard that makes the most sense when, I, when it hits my right. ears. Because, you know, in, in theory... Okay, so let's say they either agreed to a trade with Flacco or they were negotiating one. Um, so, okay, Mike White's going to be the number two now. Let's call up Strevler just so we can have a third quarterback in case of emergency. And then yep. either the trade falls through or they're still negotiating and they're like, okay, well, we don't need Strevler. Because the, the initial thought, which was in, interesting to me and maybe getting a little too cute, but the, the idea was he's he's mobile. Maybe you have some Taysom Hill packages for him. I saw some um, Taysom Hill 2.0. Yeah, which was, I'm like, okay, that's a, that's interesting. I think they would probably know what was happening when he came out. And th- there's a lot of people <laughs> yeah. who are like, are they just trying to be too cute and confuse Bill Belichick the night before the game? That would be a pretty ridiculous thing to, oh, we have to worry about Chris Trevler now for the next hour. Like, right. I I don't see that. So the, the trade thing is the only thing that really makes sense to me. Um, You know, I, I, I some people asked if it was, uh, to keep him from getting poached from another team. There's no practice squad protections anymore like there were the last two years. So a team could have poached him if they wanted to. Like that wasn't going to – like they wouldn't have waited till Saturday at 4 p.m. to poach him. They would have done it at some point during the week. So I don't think that happened. Um, so the trade thing is the only thing that makes sense, especially because of the way they just kind of weirdly made Mike White the number two quarterback all of a sudden. So I don't know. Flacco's – I, I didn't mention him with the trade deadline stuff. I think that's something to keep an eye on. I don't know who would be trading for Flacco at this stage. Although the Jets did trade for him last year, so maybe somebody would. Um, I can't imagine what, I mean, I don't, I can't even think of teams that would need a quarterback right now. Maybe the Titans cause Tannehill's hurt. Like, I don't know. Um, so that, that, that it was, it's just very strange. And I hope something comes to this. We're going to talk to Salah at three fifteen, try and get some clarification. If they're trying to do a trade, then we probably won't get any like actual, well, Joe Douglas will speak to us this week. I think that'll be another opportunity yeah. to be like, what's going on here? Um, but yeah, is very, that something that's scheduled with Doug? Is that like it's, it's not like an official? Tuesday? They haven't like officially scheduled it yet. But yeah, he's supposed to okay. talk to us. I think he usually does at some point in the midseason every year. Yeah, uh, especially, especially with the especially trade, trade deadline, deadline yeah. if they do anything. Um, 
there's not, I mean, so much weird stuff has happened since the last time he talked that there's plenty to ask him about, obviously. Usually how it goes around here. Um, but yeah, this quarterback situation, I just can't make, you know, heads or tails of it. I don't, I don't really understand what happened there. I think the trade thing makes sense to me and that would be a logical explanation, but maybe not. Like, I don't know. Maybe they thought they were going to, maybe I, on, on Friday and Saturday, they're like, you know what? Maybe we can get Stravler some snaps or, you know, throw the Patriots off. And then when it came to Sunday, they're like, eh, I'm not so sure. Like that's the only other explanation I can think of. But as Marissa pointed out, good for Chris Stravler. He got a game check. So, um, yeah. Yeah, so he was still activate active, yeah, activated to the active roster, but he was not active for the game. Yeah, you don't so have to play to get, get you don't have to play to get the game check. So yes, yes, um, if you are active versus inactive for the game, part of the forty eight with the practice squad elevations, yeah. no matter what, you still get the game exactly. Check. So good for him, good for him. Yeah, well, and if, there's and a if they, feed your family joke in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, and if they if they do trade Flacco, then he becomes the the third QB, so they could either keep. Uh, elevating him from the practice squad or they can eventually they sign him up. Yeah, exactly. They wasted one. They wasted one this week. Yeah. Right. They basically wasted one. So we'll see what, if that hurts them down the road or they just sign them to the active roster, but you only get three. So yeah. that is, you know, to act, to, to bring him up and then not make him active is interesting. Yes. So, so there's gotta be something behind there's, it. If there's, there's going to be something going on and maybe we won't find out about it for a while, or maybe we'll find yeah. out about it tomorrow, but very yeah. strange. But it gives us a chance to talk about Strevler for real yes. and not Actual just make-believe. So that's yeah. good. All right. That's going to do it for us. Um, hopefully, we gave you a chance to vent this morning. Tough one <laughs> on Sunday, obviously, to the Patriots. They get another shot at this Patriots team up in Foxborough in a few weeks. That is going to be a really telling game for this Jets team, I think, after the way it went down at home, getting a chance to go up there to Foxborough against a team that in theory, you should still match up pretty well against. We'll see how that goes. But between now and then, there's a tough one against Buffalo. There's a bye week. There's a lot of stuff going on. We'll be back with you later this week to get you ready for the Bills game, recap the trade deadline, and all of that. If you want to join The Athletic, you can do it for $1 a month for six months. Go to theathletic.com slash can't wait. Uh, for Zach Rosenblatt and Marissa Morris, I'm Tim McMaster. Thanks for tuning in. 